Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Monday, September 13th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So President Biden on a road trip to the West Coast. Very rare that he goes that far away from Delaware. Um, he is going to be in Idaho um, talking about fires. Then he going to California to talk about fires. Um, then he delivers remarks at a campaign rally for Governor Newsom. You'll see it at the bottom there, 10 p.m. West East Coast time, 7 West. Now, Newsom, uh, the recall vote is tomorrow. All the polls say Newsom will retain his job. He's got $75 million in uh, ad expenditures. That can scare a lot of people, and that's what he's doing. And I'll get specifics in a little while. Uh, in the beginning, I, I uh, predicted that he would be recalled. It does not look now like that will happen, but it's still possible on Election Day in California tomorrow. Um, okay, so over the weekend, if you turned on the television or radio, you heard about 9-11 remembrances 20 years later. Uh, I couldn't watch a lot of it um, because I was so deeply involved in not only covering the story 20 years ago, but in my town here on Long Island where scores of people were killed, murdered. Um, so to me, I was listening to some of these people, particularly on the sports casts, and they were all well-intentioned, but a lot of it was trite and kind of rote, you know, that you have to say certain things, that kind of a situation. I just couldn't deal with it very much. My failing, I guess. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of things um, that happened over the weekend uh, in the final thought, um, but I just couldn't do it. But as a reporter, I had to listen to the presidents uh, when they made remarks on 9-11. And the first one is a sitting president, Joe Biden. Roll the tape. If you had told anybody that we were going to spend... 300 million bucks a day for 20 years to try to unite the country after we got bin Laden, after Al-Qaeda was wiped out there. Can Al-Qaeda come back? Yeah, but guess what? It's already back other places. What's the strategy? Every place where Al-Qaeda is, we're going to invade and have troops stay there? Come on. Anyway, so I, I just think that, and again, what people are as I read it, I'm told, people, 70% of American people think it was time to get out of Afghanistan spending all that money. So Joe Biden spent his time in Pennsylvania pretty much uh, trying to defend his Afghan policy. I, I did, you know, I, there's a time for that. But I didn't think it was yesterday, uh, Saturday or yesterday, the day after the commemoration. But uh, Biden knows he really looks bad, and uh, a lot of people have lost confidence in him. His credibility is weighed down. So he's obsessed with trying to justify Afghanistan, even 20 years later. Now, if you were an aggressive reporter, uh, you would have said to the president, all right, but you could have done this differently and protected the countries of Afghanistan and the United States in a better way by leaving behind a residual force that wouldn't cost hundreds of millions of dollars, but would provide a protection 
against the rise of ISIS and al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. Now there's no protection for that, just so you know. Now that, might, that question might be way beyond Joe Biden's capacity to answer. I, I believe it, it probably is. And then you might also ask him about the Taliban raising its flag in Kabul on September 11th. I mean, if this isn't an in-your-face to the American people, there's no such thing. So the Taliban is taunting us, taunting the United States. Didn't have to raise its flag in Kabul on September 11th, but it did. Because it doesn't fear us. No one does. No one in the world fears Joe Biden. Weakness leads to bad things. Um, George W. Bush. Now, he is much more uh, in tune to the terror threat because he was the president when we were attacked in 2001. So he has said publicly, but not loudly, one interview with an obscure publication that the way Joe Biden got out of Afghanistan was not good. So Bush the Younger is on record as saying that he disagreed with it. He gave a speech in Pennsylvania on Saturday and said this. Many Americans struggled to understand why an enemy would hate us with such zeal. The security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. Okay, that's true. There is no difference in the World Trade Center attack than the Oklahoma City attack by an American, McVeigh. There's no difference. The intent was to kill civilians to send a message. And both the World Trade Center and the uh, Pentagon attacks and the Oklahoma City. So in that regard, George W. Bush is correct. But he conflates the ongoing jihadist threat with a, I don't know whether it's growing, but it's small, far-right threat in America. It, it's infinitesimal. We don't have headlines every day about far-right extremists committing violence in America. They don't exist, but they do exist all over the world. As ISIS every single day, and Al-Qaeda and the other jihadists, kill people, massacre people, civilians. So the conflating of a far-right threat that's small at this point, and it is, with a massive jihadist threat, is not, in my opinion, intellectually honest. Now, I put in a call to President Bush. I know him pretty well. I hope he'll come on and discuss it with me. I doubt he will. It's a shame, because that needs to be discussed. Now, Presidents Obama and Clinton, they didn't make any public comments, which I found not strange, but unusual. How about that? Donald Trump. Now, he did not go because he wouldn't be welcomed uh, in the uh, New York City uh, formal 
uh, formal presentation um, because New York City is run by radical leftists. And Bush knows he wouldn't be. Giuliani was shunned by the uh, de Blasio administration. Giuliani's a hero at 9-11. He was shunned. So Donald Trump instead went to police agencies and fire agencies in New York City. And at one of the police events, he said this. I just, uh, I appreciated during the election, uh, you know, the New York City police endorsed Trump. You know that, right? First time they've ever endorsed a candidate. They told me, first time. Okay, so immediately the dishonest corporate media goes, oh, no, no, the police didn't endorse Trump. Well, yes, they did. The police unions, which is the only voice that the police officers have. So no police agency endorses anybody. I don't even think that's legal, but the unions did. But the corrupt corporate media, that's the first thing they say. Now, um, this was unreported as well. In the morning of Saturday, September 11th, two days ago, um, Donald Trump gave a virtual address to the Let Us Worship Tour. This is an evangelical gathering, uh, and it was held on a national mall in Washington, D.C., and uh, Donald Trump gave them a pre-recorded video. So Donald Trump did what he could do, and his point of view obviously is 180 degrees opposite the Biden administration. Now, I wrote a column, and I hope you read it, called Lost, about President Biden, who is truly lost. And I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just telling you the truth. He's lost. Columns posted on BillOReilly.com. And in that column, I make a case that I think is beyond any reasonable doubt that we have a president who doesn't understand cause and effect. That means he doesn't understand that his actions lead to reactions. He, he can't grasp that. Now, I told you guys on October 29th, 2020, I think it was five days before the presidential election, that if you voted for Joe Biden, that vote was going to come back and haunt you. Halloween was two days away. Roll the tape. So you're going to have, uh, if Biden wins, you're going to have illegal immigration. Boom. You're going to have tax rise. Boom. You're going to have a lot of social programs. So Trump did a lot of executive orders. They're all going to go. And there'll be a lot more regulations on oil, all of that. All right, so I'm an oracle, right? I predicted chaos. Chaos has ensued. So joining us now from Washington is Stephen Miller. You uh, might know him. Uh, he wrote speeches for uh, President Trump. He was a senior advisor to Mr. Trump. And now he's the president of America First Legal Organization. So from your perch outside of the White House now, Stephen, what's the difference in day-to-day -day operations between Biden and Trump? I think the biggest difference that I can see is that President Trump ran an extremely top-down White House. The action was oriented every day, as it should have been, as it ought to be, against a vigorous commander-in-chief. So a small handful of us every day would gather in the Oval Office, oftentimes periodically throughout the whole day, 
to be given directions and to be tasked with projects. And so he would ask, what's the border situation today? We would say what it was, and he'd say, okay, you and you, you need to go out, you need to solve it, you need to fix this problem, and you need to report back to me in 48 hours. What's going on with the energy situation? Where are gas prices? Okay, get me the National Economic Council, let's deal with that. Okay, what's going on, say, Robert O'Brien in the realm of terrorism, ISIS, everything else? Okay, I want to report back from my, my generals in a week. You get the picture. It was an extremely top-down White House, which is how it has to be in a country as large and complicated as ours. You can't have unnamed staff just setting the agenda every single day. There has to be accountability. What we're clearly seeing in the Biden administration, I think what explains all of this chaos, is it's every staffer for him or herself. So you have Susan Rice, the Domestic Policy Council, doing her thing. You have Ron Klain, the chief of staff, doing his thing. You have Lloyd Austin over at the Department of Defense doing his thing. You have Mayorkas at the Department of Homeland Security doing his thing, and so on it goes. And Blinken, God knows what he's doing at the State Department. And so that's why you see all no strategy, no vision, no sense of where we're going. A presidency, as you said, that's, that's lost, rudderless. All right. So it's a pro it's a proactive president, Donald Trump, um, as opposed to a passive president, Joe Biden. If that is that the overarch. Absolutely. Biden is reacting to what happens rather than directing what happens. All right. Now, you spent a lot of time on the border, studying the border, writing about the border, advising President Trump on border policy. Right now, there's no reporting coming out of the border from Brownsville to San Diego. We get nothing. We don't know what's happening there. This is by design. The corrupt corporate media doesn't want Americans to know what's really happening. Do you know? Well, I think, first of all, you said it exactly right. This is one of the things that upsets me the most about the corporate media today is the complete absence of serious coverage about our border crisis. Sure, there's this stray story here and there. This is the most underreported public safety and national security crisis in American history. And, and to your point, yes, I talk to, on a regular basis, people who are very well placed within the Department of Homeland Security, who keep me apprised of what's going on. And the one thing they say to me all the time is, it's so much worse than people understand. For example, and this is something that you know well, the number of people every day who are classified as gotaways, that's the term that border agents use, gotaways, ranges between 1,000 to 2,000 a day. In other words, every day, 365 days a year by, by the end of Biden's first year, up to 2,000 people a day can get into this country with no one even laying hands on them. So I'm not even talking about catch and release, which we could talk about for hours. I mean people that get into the country without any interdiction whatsoever by law enforcement. Some are bringing drugs, some are trafficking women and children, some are previously deported criminals, and some come from countries that are on terror threat lists. So any, any foreign adversary of this country can get people into this country without ever coming through any law enforcement system, any law enforcement screening, ever being on a, on, a, on a TSA list, just undetected into our country. It is a true national security catastrophe. What is the difference between the last year of the Trump administration in inhibiting these illegal 
aliens coming across the border. And now, what is the big difference? The biggest difference is this. During the last year of the Trump administration, because catch and release was ended, meaning we had a 100% repatriation policy, which is the word we use in immigration circles for sending you back to your home country or another country willing to take you. Because we had a 100% repatriation policy, the numbers crossing were extremely low. What that meant was that agents could be on the line dealing with their public safety, anti-narcotics, and national security mission. In other words, they weren't dealing with the massive humanitarian crisis we see playing out or the massive COVID crisis we see playing out. They weren't dealing with the rush of illegal immigrant families and children and so forth. So they could be on the line performing their public safety, national security, and anti-cartel mission. Now, because agents are processing and releasing historic flows of very low-income, illegal economic migrants, they are not able to perform their public safety or national security mission. So they can't block because their attention is diverted to so-called um, administrative work. That's what it is, right? right? Okay, so when Biden knocked out um, the remain in Mexico policy on his first day in office by executive order, do you believe Biden knew this chaos would ensue? No, I believe the people working for Biden, the people working for him, and this is confirmed by pretty solid sourcing, were absolutely committed to an ideological objective of as much illegal immigration as possible. I believe that Joe Biden had no clue as an intellectual matter, as a mental matter, the Pandora's box that he opened up. I think obviously philosophically, he's a very liberal guy, but I think this is a case of his radical deputies having a goal that eclipsed his ability to understand or comprehend. And that goal is to flood the zone with as many foreign nationals as possible to build up electoral power? Unquestionably so. I mean, California, when I was, and I'm not, I've only been around politics for, you know, my adult life. I graduated from college in 2007, but as recently as my time in, in high school, Republicans were still competitive in California. And now it's a death zone for Republican politics in California. You don't think that Democrats are keenly aware of the ability to do the same thing in states like Texas? And the, the shift in California was due to foreign nationals being able to vote because they had papers? It's mostly the intergenerational process of birthright citizenship and the pool factors and networking factors of having large numbers of illegal immigrants just in general making a state into a much more liberal state, a much more of a welfare state, uh, much more of a big government state that happens from just large uncontrolled migration flows from the developing world. But again, birthright citizenship, of course, is a very big factor here, too. Okay. Now, a federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, ordered Biden to go back to the remain in Mexico policy. The judge said the president did not have the power to dismantle that policy unilaterally by himself. Does your information say the Biden administration is obeying that order? They are not obeying it in any faithful understanding of that term. Whether or not they've crossed the line 
into being held in contempt of court remains to be seen. But in terms of the scope and scale of what they're doing, the gentlest term I could use would be slow walking. The more accurate term that I think ultimately the evidence will show is defying. But certainly they're slow walking it. Under the Trump administration, with, uh, with simply a few short weeks of the whole government vigorously acting after the president threatened tariffs on Mexico, we were able to return the vast majority of people to Mexico. In other words, it took us a longer time to create the program and build up all the systems, but the Biden administration inherited all those systems. Actually getting Mexico to fully cooperate just took vigorous executive leadership. I don't think Joe Biden is putting any weight at all into complying with the court's order. They're failing on purpose, let's be real. Does the Biden administration have a leader other than Joe Biden? I mean, who's calling the shots for all of these insane policies? It can't be Biden. No, it's not. It's, you know, so it's a really great question because people are trying to decode that. For example, I'll return, I, I, I dropped the name earlier, which was Susan Rice. Susan Rice is the head of the Domestic Policy Council. Have you seen any serious in-depth reporting in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, elsewhere, about what she is doing now as the head of domestic policy for the U.S. government that's in charge of education policy, it's in charge of drug policy, it's in charge of immigration policy, it's in charge of pro-life or pro-abortion policy, as the case may be. I haven't seen any reporting on that. So who is driving the train on these issues? I think it's safe to say that at the State Department, Blinken obviously is calling a lot of the shots and will probably go down in history as the most incompetent Secretary of State we've ever had. But with respect to the whole domestic policy agenda, it's really painfully unclear. My suspicion is, is that it's probably a network of six or seven people who aren't very well known, who have very hard left leanings that are probably mid-level staffers that are basically driving the policy unattended by any adult supervision. Well, you got to feel that the Obamas have some kind of input because Susan Rice is their best friend. Yeah, so that's, I think, the, the missing link to a lot of this. There's been a massive lack of attention to this great mystery. And I've talked to reporters about it, and they've said they're mystified too. Why would you go from being the national security advisor of the United States under Obama be floated for the job of Secretary of State, and then instead take over domestic policy, an issue by which all accounts say Ms. Rice has absolutely no experience or knowledge whatsoever, which means either A, she's directing all these radical policies, or B, she's countenancing all of these radical policies being implemented, again, by more junior staffers who are largely running free of adult supervision. All right. We'll never know, though that, that story will never be told. Final question. Personally, were you surprised that a Roman Catholic like Joe Biden, who in the past had supported the Hyde Amendment, that means that Americans wouldn't be forced to pay for abortions, um, and now is one of the most radical pro-abortion, probably the most radical pro-abortion president in history. Did you surprise in that transition? I am surprised. I was surprised when he came out in favor of taxpayer financing of abortions. 
And then I was equally surprised when he recently said that he doesn't believe that life begins at conception, something he previously professed to believe. And now, of course, you have the Department of Justice suing Texas over the heartbeat legislation, which in full disclosure, my organization, America First Legal, is part of the legal defense team defending the Texas heartbeat bill. But Biden's transformation into a radical pro-abortion activist, abortion at any time, for any reason, at any period in pregnancy, and with full taxpayer funding, putting him on the furthest extreme left of his party, yes, that does shock and surprise me. But again, I have a strong feeling here that he's so out of it, he's just kind of reciting what younger people working for him are telling him to say. All right, Stephen Miller, thank you very much. We appreciate it. I found that interview to be very compelling and informative, and we'll get it all over the country so as many people can see it as possible. Stephen, thanks very much. We'll talk soon, I hope. Thank you, as always. Okay. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right, so let's go to COVID, CNN polls, bogus, but again, my job to report this to you. Um, It is uh, 2,119 telephone and online respondents, Democrat 35, Republican 29. That's a six-point gap. That's why the polls bogus. Um, Independent 36, but that's undefined. Most of those are liberal people. So the question was, do you think that requiring proof of COVID vaccination for everyday activities outside the home is acceptable. All right, so COVID mandates, vaccine mandates. 51% yes, it's acceptable, 49% no. That shows me that more say no, they don't want the mandates. Second question, do you support or oppose a student to be vaccinated to attend classes? Support 55, oppose 45. That doesn't make sense with the first question. You see what I'm talking about? All right. So uh, on the mandates, there will be court challenges. They are coming. Um, Government workers, you're going to have to be. But in private occupations and schools, those court challenges are not going to go Biden's way, I predict. Now, the Washington Post made an enormous mistake. It's hard to believe that this newspaper, which was once held up as the epitome of good journalism, did this. Thursday, September 9th, all right, a reporter named Jacob Bogage said that um, Biden's federal worker mandate did not extend to postal workers. That's not true. Okay, so postal workers will have to get vaxxed. 
or get tested once a week or whatever he's Biden is saying. So this is the headline. All right. Um, Postal service workers not included in Biden's mandatory vaccination order. That's the headline, the Washington Post. Well, they had to correct it. They had to say, oh, that's not true. Now, a mistake at that level is impossible. You've got to be able to source your stories. And when the editors look at it, they have to say, oh, who's your source? And you've got to tell your editor who your source is. So this is just another continuance of the absolute destruction of journalism in this country. The country of Denmark, about five and a half million people over there uh, are lifting all COVID restrictions because 83 percent of Danes over the age of 12 are fully vaccinated. So they have reached critical mass over there. No more COVID restrictions in Denmark. Now let's go to the three point five trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Behind the scenes, infrastructure now means human infrastructure. So in addition to bridges and roads and tunnels and seawalls, human infrastructure, which means giveaways. That's what human infrastructure is. So as you know, Biden and Pelosi and Schumer want $3.5 trillion. Well, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, says no. No one's talking about inflation or debt, and we should have that as part of the discussion. And then the geopolitical, what's going on around the world and what type of challenges we may face. So the unknown is there, and we don't know what that's going to, going to partake. What we do know is that basically the need for this, the emergency to do something in the next week is not there. Okay, so Manchin says he'll vote for a trillion, a trillion and a half, but he wants to see what's in the bill. Logical and Manchin's emerging as a hero because without that vote in the Senate, the three point five trillion goes down. All right. So Bernie Sanders knows his socialist paradise is in trouble. Go. No, it is absolutely not acceptable to me. I don't think it's acceptable to the president, to the American people or to the overwhelming majority of the people in the Democratic caucus. Well, we don't care whether it's acceptable to you. You're a socialist. The majority of Americans, every poll says, don't want socialism. So it's not acceptable to you. Go back to Vermont and cool down. And then Ocasio-Cortez, another socialist, maybe even a communist, tweets out this, quote, Manchin has weekly huddles with Exxon and is one of many senators who gives lobbyists their pen to write so-called bipartisan fossil fuel bills. It's killing our people, our people. At least 12 last night, sick of this bipartisan corruption and masquerades as clear-eyed moderation. 12 last night, 12 people were killed by what? See, now this woman is so loony. She puts that out and then, you know, people read this. 12 people where, why? What was that? Amazing. Okay, so I have predicted in my column loss that the U.S. economy may fall if the spending continues in Washington. And today, the Labor Department reported that inflation is up again. Okay, prices rose 8% from a year ago. That means we all pay more for everything. 
We understanding this? Okay, Kroger, the department store people, say you should expect another 3% rise in the second half of this year. It's according to Kroger CFO, Chief Financial Officer, Gary Millerchip, said this on Friday. So inflation now running wild under Biden. Are we getting the picture here? <laughs> All right. Cancel culture. So we have not verified this story, but I'm bringing it to your attention because it looks like it could be true. So there is a high school outside of Seattle called East Lake High, and it wanted to mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11 by students wearing red, white, and blue at a football game. But the school principal said, no, you can't. Principal's name is Chris Beatty. And he said, quote, at least for what I have here, I know tomorrow is 9-11, understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents, but I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. Who's they? Gary, you're in charge, buddy. Unbelievable. Again, I haven't verified that. It comes from a radio station, KTTH, but sounds true. Kansas University, all right, University of Kansas. So there's a student body president, and her name is Naya McAdoo, 23 years old. She says that uh, America should die, all right? So she retweeted something that said, Happy Friday, everybody, death to America. Well, I got a little attention. I mean, uh, this Ms. McAdoo wants death to America, okay? So then they confronted her about it, and she says, it's very telling more people are concerned with a retweet opinion and not the actual racial and sexual violence that is happening in student senate and on KU campus. What? <laughs> is, is there an epidemic of violence at the University of Kansas? This is an obvious attempt to deflect attention away from her. So um, the university, uh, we don't have any plans to investigate Ms. McAdoo. But if Ms. McAdoo had said something uh, derogatory toward minorities of any kind, you damn well know she would be investigated. But death to America, that's okay. This month in history, September 1962, a landmark ruling in America. A judge says that James Meredith can attend the University of Mississippi. So Meredith uh, was a veteran of the United States Air Force. He served from 1951 to 60, nine years. Got out of the Air Corps. Then he went to Jackson State, a black college in Mississippi, and wanted to transfer to the University of Mississippi in 1963. But they blocked him. All right. So he sued in federal court and he won. And this was under the Kennedy administration, John Kennedy president, Robert Kennedy attorney general. So U.S. Marshals went down to Ole Miss and accompanied Mr. Meredith to class, whereupon the Marshals were attacked, physically attacked, okay? So then JFK um, allowed his brother to federalize National Guardsmen and eventually send 31,000 federal troops to the University of Mississippi. Well, on October 1st, 1962, Meredith enrolled. He graduated the next year. He's still alive. He's 88 years old. Uh, he and his wife live in Jackson. So a very, very important story 59 years ago. 
Quick break, back with some mail and a final thought on something I did wrong on the anniversary of 9-11. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Did you know water heaters last about 10 years, refrigerators typically about 13? Every day in our homes, we rely on aging systems and appliances. I do. That means it's time to consider safeguarding your budget from unexpected expenses. American Home Shield has a solution. Pick a plan that's right for you. And when a covered item in your home breaks, contact their professionals to repair or replace it within the agreed upon coverage limits. It's that easy to stay stress-free and limit budget-breaking surprises. Right now, take $50 off. Please go to ahs.com slash bill to save 50 bucks. That's ahs.com slash bill. $50 off any plan. American Home Shield protect what you don't expect. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. All right, let's get to the mail. Scott, concierge member. I hope you guys check out concierge membership. You get free books and everything, a lot of uh, swag, as they say. And you get direct access to me, which will come in handy in your life. So Scott says, is it an individual American's right to choose whether they get medical help, including vaccine? Not if it is a public safety issue. Okay, so if the public safety is threatened, then individual freedoms can be overridden by the government. That is the legal basis of what we are seeing now with COVID. Catherine Cybrin, uh, Bill, with all due respect, if you don't believe anything the government says, why would you stay here? I disagree. The choice is not accepted. The choice is to fix it. If you don't believe fundamentally that there is anything honest about the federal government, you're not going to fix it. If you think the swamp is just overridden everything, there's no fixing. And that was my point. Karen, how about the 640,000 postal workers being exempted from mandatory federal vaccine? See, you saw this on the Internet. I know you didn't get the Washington Post, Karen. You saw it. Please be skeptical of everything you read. There is no quality control on the net. Rebecca Huff, San Marcos, Texas. Why has there been no mention of Rudy Giuliani's role in 9-11? In New York, there was. 
But I know he didn't get a lot of attention on the corporate meeting because he threw in with Trump. That's why. Gabriel uh, Caponera, Chicago. If the vaccine is 90% effective, why are many people who have the vaccine so concerned about the unvaccinated? Because the unvaccinated can spread the disease, the COVID. Unvaccinated spread it much easier than those vaccinated. And that's now getting into kids. All right. And it's crossing over to some who are vaccinated. So if you're unvaccinated, you're a carrier. And that's why there's so much concern. Ron Tarter, Cary, North Carolina. Bill, your COVID coverage is the only coverage I trust. Your stats, very compelling. One area I'm not clear on, do you recommend those who have had the virus still get the vax? Up to your doctor. If you have had COVID, the antibodies are very powerful and it protects you. Okay, but we don't know how long. But it's up to your doctor. Always make medical decisions in conjunction with your personal physician. David, Bill got it right when he said Trump needlessly stirred up a lot of stuff. That is my main gripe against Donald Trump. I like most of what he did, um, but I don't like the endless controversies. Okay. Jim Iington, Blanco, Texas. Your latest column, Bill, is spot on. My wife, a retired elementary school teacher, noticed this about President Biden months ago. He does not understand the basic compact of cause and effect. He does not. Uh, Chris Robles, New York City, was reading Killing a Rising Sun. Couldn't put it down. Can't wait for Killing the Killers. My question, at this point in Biden's presidency, would you consider him to be the worst president? Not yet. Heading there. Buchanan's the worst president. He's heading there, though. Grace Coffey, Harrisburg, Oregon. When I started reading your new book, Killing the Mob, I thought it was going to be bloody and not something I wanted to read. But now I can't put it down. So well documented and written. Killing the Mob's still a killer. If you haven't read it, please order it. Um, you'll like it. And you'll get 40% off if you order that and Killing Crazy Horse on BillOReilly.com. And when writing to us, do not be a naughty, N-O-D-D-Y. It's not an English word. It's a Scottish word. But I'm going to tell you what it means because you can't find a dictionary. It means a simpleton. A naughty is a simpleton. Back with a final thought on a mistake I made over the 9-11 commemoration. Time is our most precious asset. And many listeners seek advice on utilizing it wisely for personal growth and societal impact. Hillsdale College addresses this need by providing more than 40 free online courses on essential subjects. Dive into C.S. Lewis's works, explore Genesis narratives, grasp the U.S. Constitution's significance, unravel the Roman Republic's history, or delve into the ancient Christian church with these valuable courses, all accessible free. Now, You might want to check out Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution, a 12-lecture self-paced course, gain insights into the Constitution's design, its challenges during the Civil War, and its century-long struggles with progressivism and liberalism. You can enroll at hillsdale.edu slash bill to become a defender of American freedom. Please join now. It's free, easy, and essential for safeguarding our liberties, visit hillsdale.edu slash bill to register. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, 
the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, final thought of the day. Um, Bruce Springsteen was part of the 9-11 ceremonies over the weekend. He played a concert. And uh, when I first heard that, I was a little annoyed. First, some tape of Springsteen. Go. And I'll see you in my dreams. My initial negative reaction to Bruce Springsteen was based on the fact that he peddles far left propaganda and he has for years. But that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that because he did something good. A lot of people love Bruce. All right. And his song was beautiful and it uplifted people and it helped. But I initially was negative because of politics and ideology. And um, that's on me. And I was wrong. But I figured it out a short time later when I was in a mode of self-reflection. So one of the reasons I go to Mass every Sunday is because in Mass, they give you time to reflect upon your recent actions. And that was wrong. I should not have had a negative reaction to Bruce Springsteen singing on the anniversary of 9-11. I should have applauded that. And after I came to that realization that I was a dunderhead, I quickly corrected it, and I'm telling you now. Thank you for watching the No Spin News tonight. We'll see you tomorrow.